Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Matt Harmon and joined this morning by Scott Pianowski here on the Monday Morning Divisional Round Recap podcast of the yahoo fantasy football forecast scott how's it going man how's everything great um thought it was a fun weekend as as football tends to be a lot of unusual things happen but i enjoyed the games um i think the the picks did fairly well which nobody probably cares about that but what really gets my blood pumping today if we tape this on a monday is every Super Bowl matchup that you could throw at me now i think is going to be a great game that has really fun storylines and I get that a lot of people may be sick of Tom Brady, so maybe there's a lot of people rooting for the Packers just because they just don't want to spend another Super Bowl Sunday with Brady. And that's anybody who feels that way, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. But you know, the Bills are so much fun. It would be great to see Rodgers get a second trip. I, I Every time the Chiefs have a standalone game, it just feels like a gift from the gods, although the, this last one was highly unusual. I'll never, never forget that game. But I feel like we're going to get a really fun uh, conference championship weekend and I feel like the Super Bowl is going to be a really great matchup and in a season where I wasn't even sure they'd get through it yeah here we are you know we got three more games to go and I think they're all going to be great ones I, I totally agree with you that, that's really the most if your team is and I don't have a favorite team or whatever uh, I'm not a lifelong fan of everyone this year although I'm obviously I'm pulling for this Bills team because um, I picked the NFC and AFC championship game uh, right I had it as Buffalo and Kansas City and, and Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Uh, and I'm with you, though. If you're if you're not rooting for a specific team, it, you just want good games, good storylines. And I think we get, like you said, get that no matter what. The storylines especially uh, is, the, is the most important thing for me. You know, I, I love uh, – maybe I'm a dork this way, but I love the lead-up to Super Bowl week, uh, the, the game, uh, and getting all of these, like, very in-depth profiles on all of these different guys on the team, you know, from the coaching staff to the front office to the players. And I think no matter what team we get, I mean, yeah, if the chiefs are back, it's some of it's running it back, you know, the same old stuff. But even if you don't like Tom Brady, it's still cool that he's doing it with a second team, but we'll, we'll get to all that. Let's, let's go through uh, the games and we can parse these things out individually. Let's start back on the first game uh, on Saturday, Los Angeles Rams, 18 Green Bay Packers, 32. I I don't think the outcome was surprising. Uh, I was watching this game over at my fiance's parents' house and my future father-in-law tried to call the game over. I think at least 20 different times after basically the Packers did anything. He was ah, game's over, game's over. I was like, let, let's, let's let him get there for a minute. But uh, in the end, he was right. The Packers pulled this one away. Rodgers was awesome, three total touchdowns, 296 yards. Uh, and, you know, as a wide receiver guy, Scott, I personally enjoyed seeing Devontae Adams. Um, the way they 
deployed him. He, he got the better of Ramsey sometime. The, the touchdown that he had where they kept moving him around the formation, I thought that was gorgeous. That's the type of stuff coaches should do when they have an all-star receiver and he's going against one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Yeah, you just triggered all the Arizona Cardinal fans who want to know why DeAndre Hopkins has to be on an <laughs> island for the whole game. You know, everybody I, knows. I want to know too. <laughs> I would like. I would like some answers. You hit the nail on the head. The Adams touchdown was a, a win for the scheme and a win for a quarterback and a receiver who know each other really well. And all you need is Adams to win for a split second. And, and it's funny too because the, the Kansas City, the biggest play of the Kansas City season, turned into Tyreek Hill running a similar kind of route where all he has to do is win for a split second, and then the play is a success if the throw is accurate. And also Green Bay, it was encouraging for me to see some of their lesser pieces that maybe you wouldn't be sure what they do week in week out. I, I've been on and off the Alan Lazard bus at different times during his career, but he, he had a terrific game. We saw a couple of splash plays from MVS. He didn't go off by any means, but he was a factor in the game. They got all their running backs involved. I thought they had Green Bay had an excellent game plan and, and certainly took advantage of the week to, to plan up to uh, the challenge of, of playing that Rams defense, which I think everybody agrees was the best in football. I got to give it up to the Rams. They played a lot better on offense than I expected. I thought the Packers would win this game in part because the Rams' offense would Jared Goff would just be terrible, and he put, he played okay. Cam Akers, I thought, was excellent, and I think we're all excited probably to, to get him on some fantasy rosters next year. Yeah. The Rams' offense put up a fight, and I'll give them credit for that. But the Packers had inspired really good pass rush from their base four. We knew the Rams could get pass pressure with their base four, but I thought the Packers' front four did a great job. The defense played maybe a little bit better than I expected in some key moments. But uh, to me, the takeaways here with the, with the Green Bay secondary pieces producing, and and again, uh, Cam Akers, man, it was a good. Maybe player. we should start expecting this. I don't know if there's a logical reason why the running backs all kind of got going slowly this year for rookies, but then at the end of the year, it seemed like so many of them were playing great football, and you know, Akers certainly fits that storyline. He's probably in the second round for me right now. Yeah, he's a really compelling player going into next year. I think everybody will be excited about him. You know, you mentioned the the uh, Packers secondary pieces, and yeah, I, that's the funny thing about this Packers offense. I would say, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a frontline player. Devontae Adams, everybody knows he's one of the best receivers in football. Aaron Jones is is a player who scored a bunch of touchdowns last year. But after those guys, you know, this was a storyline all offseason. Um, no one is really well known, but I think Lazard is good. I think Robert Tunyon, like these guys are out there making plays. Those guys are ballers. And um, it might be just because, you know, we talk about this offense, uh, you know, the Shanahan offshoot offense, you know, which McVeigh is under that tree. Uh, Matt LaFleur is obviously under that tree as well. Uh, there is a, lo- a lot of guys across the league running this system. We talk about it propping up Ryan Tannehill we talk about it propping up guys like Jared Goff on the other side of the field like how good is Jared Goff really how good would Ryan Tannehill be in another offense but then you get Aaron Rodgers one of the most talented passers to ever play the game you put him in this offense uh I I thought Chris Wessling I saw a clip on Twitter he said it really well you could count um Rodgers mistakes this year on probably one hand so he's running the easiest offense in the league to run but he's doing it at, at such an unbelievably efficient level because he's Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's just – it's so much fun to watch and it makes me excited. Like let's say the Packers do actually this year go after some – maybe another offensive playmaker or something like that. It's just – there's – obviously there will be some statistical regression, but there's yet another ceiling for this offense uh, to jump to. And I personally think that's pretty exciting. Cosign all that. And it's really exciting also when you think of 
we're at a time in the NFL where there's a, there's a golden age of young quarterbacks, and there's also this golden age of old quarterbacks where, you know, is it their last season? Is, is it the last game they're going to play? We don't know if Roethlisberger is coming, coming back. We're going to have a Drew Brees discussion in a minute. You know, obviously, Brady is you know, in his mid-40s now. Aaron Rodgers had started to have some leakage in his production and his statistics. And depending on who you ask, you know, some of the tape was starting to look like he was a declining player, too. Not, not a bad player by any means, but not, you know, it, it seemed plausible into the season that the, the years of Aaron Rodgers being an MVP candidate, let alone the MVP elect that he is right now, that seemed out the window. And to see a, a Hall of Fame first ballot guy actually get better after a down, you know, for his by his standards, a down season or two, that, that just that has to get you excited as a football fan, just to see him playing at this high of a level. I still think I know a lot of Packer fans get really defensive about this. I still think they should have drafted a receiver with either their first or second pick in the past draft. They they hardly use Dylan this year for different reasons. Obviously, Love was you know just an apprenticeship this year, and who knows when he'll actually be asked to play. It was such a great receiver class, and I I can't help but wish cast one of those guys on the Packer roster. Of course, you never know. Maybe the guy doesn't break into the rotation right away, and you know he has a lost year. I, you know, we we can't assume if Patrick Mahomes was on the Browns or on the Bears, he'd be the same guy as he is on the Chiefs. As much as we'd like yeah. to believe that, but it's just fun to for me. Aging curves are, are predictable, right? I mean, players come in and they get good, and then eventually they hit ages where it's hard to be as good as they were, even though they're more experienced. And, football, and quarterbacks are very highly experienced, different position. To see Rodgers turn back, you know, this is like to me like Tiger Woods winning the 2019 Masters when it's like, well, I, I thought maybe he couldn't do that anymore. You know, to see somebody, to see LeBron James win a championship in his mid 30s, you know, stuff like that. I just think it's cool that guys that I, I've already, I, I would already feel so rewarded if they retired tomorrow but to see them do it again and and actually turn the clock back of aging to me that's very exciting totally agree i i would have been one of those people telling you that definitely rogers even the i mean obviously all the numbers would indicate it but even on film didn't look like he was about to have this type of year uh which i think is just a credit to credit to the player that he is and i think it's awesome i agree with you like look football is better with a guy like Aaron Rodgers playing to that capability because before Patrick Mahomes was leaving us on the edge of our seat with everything he would do, Rodgers was that guy too. You know, when he first got, got going in that 2011 season, um, that was really, it was just, a, it was a game changing type of thing. I, I, I love seeing it. Um, I'm, I'm all in on the Packers. Uh, if they win a Super Bowl, I think it's a good storyline. You know, that whole deal on the Rams offense, you know, obviously I think this game could have gone differently. Number one, from on the Rams defensive perspective, you know, if Aaron Donald's a hundred percent and you know, he's, he's afterwards, you know, he's, he's in tears after the game. And obviously some of that could just be, look, we missed another shot at a super bowl. You never know how many times you're going to get there. I think also it could have been, Hey, look, he knows he's not all the way there and they probably needed him to be all the way there in order to take down this Packers team with the way they're playing right now, offensively. So, you know, that game could have been different there. Uh, it also could have been different if Cooper Cup was available to the Rams. Um, and it could have, you know, we will always wonder this with Jared Goff. And I think, I think by the way that Sean McVay is now talking about it, I, I believe he's starting to wonder too, you know, what is, what would this offense look like with a different quarterback? Uh, I know Jared Goff is hurt right now. I know like passer rating wise, he looks good. He took four sacks. He was under pressure a lot in this game, but the way McVay answers some questions, you know, after the game and through the rest of the weekend, there's a lot of, right now like Jared Goff is our quarterback right now there's a lot of uh hesitation you know we'll take a look at all of this stuff it's going to be tough for them to just find some kind of straight up upgrade on Jared Goff but I don't know Scott 
do you feel the same way that I do and that I think the team is starting to think I wonder like this I'm Sean McVay right like I'm the one of the best offensive coaches in the NFL my offense shouldn't be the reason <laughs> that I have no shot to outscore Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game I think they're starting going to I think they're going to have those internal discussions this offseason like Jared Goff might still be the QB1 for this team next year they might not have a viable path to upgrade on him but I think they're at least thinking about it I mean, you'd love to give Sean McVay some truth serum and let him say what he would probably yeah. like to say, which is he feels like the golfer on the first tee who's got the clubs that are 20 years old and he's trying to drive <laughs> the ball as far as the other guys or the, the person who shows up at, at the tennis court with a wooden racket. You know, he, yeah. he doesn't – golf is a perfectly solid, competent, average to maybe slightly above average quarterback. That's what he is. He's not yeah. an MVP caliber guy. He's not somebody who's going to say, okay – Everything's failing around me. Watch me make this play out of structure. It's just not who he is. And I think McVay is in his mind dreaming about when he gets his, you know, oh, this is the guy I want to be matched with for eight to ten years when he gets that quarterback. Now, of course, they did commit a lot of money to, to golf not that long ago. And it's tough. You, you outline the conundrum that teams have with quarterback because it's so easy to say. Oh, Mitch Trubisky is not the answer. Let him go. Jared Goff's not the answer. We got to replace him. You know, I can't watch another Cam Newton season. Patriots need a new quarterback. There isn't a quarterback tree. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's a good draft of maybe you know, three or four quarterbacks we're excited about. They're going to get gobbled up really quickly by the teams that have better positions in the draft. So it it's great to say, yeah, let's get rid of this guy. Let's run him out of town. But who who's your suggestion? I also kind of laugh when people say, why didn't this team have a better backup quarterback when the starter got hurt? We don't oh, even have 32 good starters. Yeah. <laughs> We're supposed to have 32 good backups too. I, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's nice that Ryan Fitzpatrick is a really good backup. Andy Dalton you held the fort down in, in Dallas. We saw some good moments from Jalen Hurts. So that was more of like a kind of a quarterback controversy as Wentz lost his way. But there just aren't that many good quarterbacks right now. There's, there's a more of a demand than there is a supply. So I think McVeigh. Is dream, he's saying probably privately to friends, you know, yeah, we've been to a Super Bowl already. We've been to the playoffs a lot. We've had some great players on offense. We've had some great players on defense. Wait till I get that one fit quarterback, and I'm going to throw like five years of fury on this league. I don't have it right now, but someday I'm going to have it. Yeah. No, I, I think there's definitely some some thought there about it. I mean, even I think just the way they called plays when John Wolford was the quarterback, mm-hmm. like the way they used – uh, some option stuff, the way they used his mobility. I thought even that just showed you like there is more that McVay can offer us. And that's pretty exciting considering how good from an efficiency perspective, this offense was even at times this year, uh, a lot of it was based on the ground game, but still, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, they, the I want to say one more thing about the Rams too, is that they were using a lot of wildcat packages with cam Akers. Yeah. And I was kind of bagging on a little bit when the first couple of wildcat plays didn't go anywhere, but, I didn't realize, and I should have known this. Twitter, of course, you know, was undefeated and pointed this out to me quickly. Akers has a quarterback background. He was like an all-state quarterback yep. or something like that. So I feel like if that game went a little bit longer and was a little bit more competitive, that we would have seen Akers actually throw a pass out of that formation after they've said to Green Bay, okay, yeah, you know, we're just running it with Akers out of this formation, that he would have actually wound up and, and thrown the ball 40 yards to Robert Woods or, or something like that. So I feel a little cheated we didn't see that yet. Maybe we'll see it next year. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, the Rams don't have a first-round pick this year because of the Jalen Ramsey trade, which I think they'll, they'll take that. They're fine on that. So their path to upgrade on Goff is not exactly um, clear. But again, I think they this is a creative team, a creative front office. I think they will probably try to uh, find ways to get around it. But uh, let's just hope we get some more juice out of that offense next year. Um, speaking of lack of offensive juice, this next game, 
Baltimore 3, Buffalo 17. Uh, I was expecting a lot more firepower in this game between b- between both offenses, too, because obviously we're really going to you know hold the Ravens' feet to the fire or whatever. But the Bills, they're, they were pretty well held down, too, by the Ravens' defense as well. Josh Allen, 23 for 37 for 200 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, this was definitely a situation where – they're, the Bills uh, don't really have a running game because I don't think they care about having a running game. They're the perfect team that it's the passing game is the extension of the rushing game. And, you know, eventually you can't hold this team down for four quarters. They get Stefan Diggs. I mean, Stefan Diggs, what an what an amazing player. Um, just he, they were able to finally get him going. And that was basically all they needed because there wasn't much uh, out of the Ravens offense in this game. It, look, I'm going to be on the Adams um bus sitting right next to you driving it next year but if somebody wanted to play take stefan Diggs ahead of adams i would not try to talk you out of it hell yeah i did like that the bills at least sprinkled in a little bit of singletary in the second half of this game just because the way the game was playing it was a windy game we saw two two of the best kickers in the nfl i, I think justin tucker is the best kicker in league history and bass had an unbelievable year and they were just missing kicks left and right yeah. the ball was knuckleballing in the wind and it takes away I think of the Bills have played very few poor games this year or even just average games, but one of their more mediocre showings was against New England where they probably would have lost that game if Newton hadn't fumbled around the 10-yard line, at least gone to overtime. And that was a really windy day where Buffalo struggled to do the normal downfield things that they like to do. I mean, part of it may have been a, a Belichick you know, scheming issue and stuff like that, but it was just a game where Buffalo kind of escaped. And I feel like that's what we've seen with Buffalo for two weeks. I thought they played kind of their B to B minus game against the Colts, and I don't think they played all that great against Baltimore, but they survived. They won. This is not going to fly against Kansas City. Uh, I I would think Mahomes will probably get cleared. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think they're going to have to score 30. Yeah, I know the Chiefs haven't really put a a really good game on tape for a while, but still, there's a lot of things about the Chiefs and what they did Sunday that I'm encouraged by. Buffalo needs to play better if they're going to win next week, but that said... Josh Allen, I'm trying to think the last time a quarterback improved this much in a year because I people were killing me for what I said about Josh Allen a year ago. And all I can say is it seemed right at the time. Oh, yeah. He was an inaccurate yeah. quarterback who, who could make the greatest NFL play on one snap and, and make the stupidest decision the next play. And he's gotten better. And, you know, of course, the GM has helped him. His offensive coordinator that looks like they're going to keep for another year has helped him. They brought in, you know, Stephon Diggs is a wonderful talent. They got something out of Colt Beasley that Dallas never did. So he has all sorts of help, but Josh Allen is the most improved skill player in the NFL, if you ask me. And uh, and in a year where Rodgers didn't exist, I mean, Josh Allen might be the MVP right now. Totally. Look, if you have a young quarterback, you need to look at what Buffalo did and yes, yes. do that. I mean, but at the same time, like you're saying, they did everything right, but then Josh Allen as an individual – um, loves football, probably worked his ass off and became this guy. So there's a give, there's a give and take from both the organization and the, the, the quarterback as well. That's what you want. Like they, I, we don't really ha- need to rehash the Josh Allen stuff. Like they're still involved. Let's talk about, let's talk about the Ravens. Um, where do they go from here? Because uh, obviously Lamar throws that just rough interception. I think that's actually Lamar's first interception thrown in the red zone ever. Uh, and he goes for 101 yards <laughs> for a touchdown. Like, what a bad break. All your interception luck just gone in that moment. Then, obviously, he leaves the game with a, a concussion. Uh, so there was really no shot for them to come back. But it didn't really look like their offense was up to the task here. And Hollywood Brown, after the game, 
and I, I mean, I think Hollywood Brown is right about this. He basically pointed out, like, we can't be so imbalanced. We can't be so good at running the football and then have these games. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but have these games where every now and again, they just can't do anything from an offensive passing perspective. It's just not good enough. Uh, I think you can point at the lack of receiver talent beyond Brown, who, you know, he, I think he came on well in the second half of the season. He proved like, okay, he's a guy that you can count on to be your second receiver or something like that. They definitely need to add another receiver. And that's going to be a big theme. I mean, they had Des Bryant playing significant snaps <laughs> after, after like three years of not playing football. That's insane. However, I think from an organizational perspective, they need to have a conversation about about Greg Roman, about the way that they want to be as an offensive player. They spend so much time and so much resources on trying to be this great rushing attack. I think it's taken away from their potential as a pass as a passing team. Like regardless of some of Lamar's holes as a passer, there's more that the organization can do, I think, to push forward as well. Totally agree. Now, to be fair, I think they've done a reasonable job when they drafted Jackson to ask themselves, okay, how do we become a really dynamic off? I mean, they led the league in point differential two straight years. Jackson, of course, was the no-brainer MVP last year. But there's been some setbacks. They they, they had personnel losses. Um, They had a Hall of Fame lineman retire. They they signed their best remaining lineman who got hurt right away after the contract was inked, which is just really bad luck on that part. It's funny that they have Des Bryant because he's the guy they need. They just need like a younger version of Des yeah. Bryant. They need a physical receiver. And, that, and I realize, again, those guys aren't falling off on trees either, although it is a very loaded receiver class. So you would think, and we've seen in recent years, you don't even need to spend a first-round pick necessarily to get a game-changer. I mean, there's been you know, Brown and Metcalf and McLaurin. They were all second- and third-round picks. So there's still a lot of fruit to be picked. They need to find that guy who can dominate. You've talked before about Allen Robinson maybe fitting on this team. A Chris Godwin type could fit on this team. Maybe Kenny yeah. Galladay could fit on this team. There's going to be some guys in free agency too if they want to go that route. They could look to draft somebody. They have – it's fine. Hollywood Brown is perfect as a field stretcher, as somebody you stretch a defense with, you can do some exotic stuff with. I think they have to figure out how to throw the ball to their backs more often. J.K. Dobbins was a good receiver at Ohio State, and I don't think Jackson has ever been that comfortable. We see this a lot with with running quarterbacks. Sometimes they don't take advantage of the passing game with the running back. Those cheat codes. Look at some of those throws that Daryl Williams, who nobody thinks is a special talent, he's a good player. I mean, he just dump it off to him, and he gets eight or ten free yards. I think Baltimore needs to figure out a way to get more easy plays in the passing game because it felt like a lot of times there was a struggle there. But this is an organization. This is an infrastructure in Baltimore that I believe in. I believe in, in the ownership, the GM, the coach. And I think they're going to ask themselves the right questions. And basically what you said, you know, Buffalo asked themselves, how do we support Josh Allen and make him better and give him a chance to be the best quarterback they can be? I think Baltimore has consistently been trying to do that. But there's at least one or two more key things they need to do this offseason to really finish that job. Yeah, I, I agree. It's It's just some tweaks on the margin you know, that they need to make. Uh, and, and from a pure fantasy perspective, you know, I said going into this year that I was going to put Patrick Mahomes as my top quarterback because, I mean, look, he just, he can, <laughs> he, he's Patrick Mahomes. But Lamar Jackson, he's going to be, you know, right there again because uh, he's like the best fan. He might, be, he might be the best fantasy quarterback 
ever. And I know that's crazy to say, but he's QB 10 this year in what was probably a worst case season for him. You know, they didn't get off the map really, but he still rushes for a thousand yards. Um, there's still a lot of potential for Lamar Jackson to grow. I'm not even so much talking from just like them being a good offense. I think like taking the next step as a team, I think a free agent receiver is perfect for them. Godwin's the guy that I keep coming back to Robinson for sure. But as a like longtime selfish Allen Robinson backer, I kind of don't want to be sitting there with him, you know, getting like four targets in a game or something like that on a run first team. Uh, So that, that's just how I feel in in my heart. Although it would be great to see him like as a guy that could take the Ravens and Lamar over the top. Godwin to me, uh, we'll see. He probably doesn't get out of Tampa Bay, but big badass over the middle. I think that could help Lamar Jackson a lot because he's a better just middle over the field passer than he is to outside the numbers. So there's there's definitely a question, uh, a lot of questions that will be asked in Baltimore just about this uh, team overall. Let's move to uh, the other AFC game on Sunday. Cleveland Browns 17, Kansas City Chiefs 22. That does not really uh, – <laughs> It doesn't really tell the story of how exciting this game was. A lot of wild twists and turns. Kansas City ends up winning, but obviously the big news is that uh, Patrick Mahomes is in the concussion protocol after a really scary uh, moment during this game. I'm a huge Andy Reid fan, as long as it doesn't come down to maybe clock management or when to challenge a play. I mean, he's a brilliant game designer. I think he's already in the Hall of Fame. I think his ticket was punched when they won the championship, and he might have been qualified even without that. So it's with any reluctance that I criticize Andy Reid. But after Mahomes hurt, I don't know if it was a turf toe injury or a foot injury, but he was certainly compromised with a first-half injury. And then Kansas City needed a yard around midfield. It was a key point in the second half, but it wasn't but like, this is the season if you don't yeah. make it. Yeah. And they, they, run a, they run Mahomes wide on a play that's basically designed to get him hit. He gets hit. Uh, maybe the Browns took a cheap shot uh, on Mahomes after the whistle that you, you watch the tape and decide for yourself. Obviously, uh, anybody who's watched football for 10 minutes could see that he was concussed. He didn't come back in the game. I just felt that was reckless of Reed, that they didn't need to do that. And I don't like Mahomes. And I know people are getting on me like, oh, you're second-guessing him. I, I just don't. There's a lot of ways a Kansas City offense can gain a yard. I don't think that's the time where I want my quarterback exposed where he's definitely going to get hit. And some people might say, well, what about the goal line touchdown? Well, the thing is, once you get in the end zone, they can't hit you anymore. You know, if that play succeeds, then there's no hit. And that's, you know, Mahomes can kind of make that call. That was a, a play out of structure anyway. So it was a little frustrating to me to see Reed make that call. But, man, I thought Reed had so, so many stones when it came down to the games in the balance. Fourth, I thought they should go for it at, at what, fourth and a yard or half yard, whatever they needed. Maybe it was a yard and a half. And they line up in shotgun. And I'm thinking immediately, they're not going to run this. I mean, they have no threat of a running play here. It's, it's an obvious pass. They don't want to do that with Chad Henney. They're just going to go and bark and do the cadence and try to see if they, they jump off sides. Or maybe they even just want to get a snapshot of what the defense is going to do. I thought the chances of them snapping it were 0%. And then they snap it, and they put the season in Chad Henney's hands. Now, I, granted, he, he wasn't throwing a 20-yard dig here. He was throwing right. a, a very short pass to a player who was open, who excels in space in Tyreek Hill. But... Andy Reid, to to paraphrase, he has the nerve of a burglar, and I thought that was a really gutsy call. I think it helped Kansas City that Henny got to play in Week 17. He was a guy who came into the league in, what, 13 years ago or so. He's been a career backup for the most part. He's a losing record and all that. But at least he got reps. I know most of the the people he played with on on, uh, that Week 17 game against the Chargers weren't primary starters, but at least he had been through the car wash. He had been through the first team reps, been through the preparation 
And a big thing Kansas City got in this game, they haven't had this in a while. I've been banging on these guys and saying, look, Hill's awesome. Kelsey's awesome. But you need a third pitch here. And, you know, CEH has been kind of disappointing. He didn't play. Watkins didn't play. We saw Hardman. Nicole Hardman was incredibly engaged in this game from the get-go. If you bet on any props with Hardman, you won in the first quarter. And Darrell Williams, I thought, was excellent. I thought the Chiefs were very smart to realize, let's just not – they put Bell on the field for a few snaps, but they very quickly established Williams is our guy. And he doesn't – and on this offense, he doesn't need to be – Christian McCaffrey. You know, he doesn't need to be a, a bell cow in the sense that he drives the offense. He just needs to be something that they can they, they can trust him to pick up you know, some short yardage. They can throw to him. We saw how um, you know, they threw so much to the other Williams last year in the playoff run. That's such a staple of this offense. So I was encouraged to see Hardman and Williams play really good games. And, man, I my hat's off to Andy Reid. I'm, I'm glad he didn't punt because I would always say you have to go for it in that situation. You have to try to win the game on offense, but he won the game on offense with a journeyman backup quarterback who I think nobody had any faith in. I thought that showed a lot of cojones. I agree. I Especially the part about, you know, them kind of needing some ancillary players to step up uh, because mm-hmm. this is – it's the hardest duo, I think, in the league, like, to defend when you're talking about Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey because sure. you know, there are so many times they have Kelsey – like, Kelsey's touchdown – they have him on an island lined up as the X receiver against Denzel Ward, who's a good cornerback coming off the, the COVID list. And Kelsey just destroys him. I mean, how, what do you do with that when you're a tight end? That's that's just you're on a different plane of existence when you're a tight end. and You're doing what Travis Kelsey does as a receiver. And then obviously Tyree Kill is just an impossible player to defend. You can sit there and tell me that, oh, just double him. But the fact like they would line him up in the slot sometimes mm-hmm. against a team in Cleveland that's had trouble with slot receivers this year. They don't have uh, a great nickel back. They have some slower safeties. It's just a problem. And then yeah, the pre-stop start... motion too. You put the exactly. defense in conflict. Just when you put Hill in motion, the defense is like, oh crap, what's Hill doing? What are we going to do with Hill? And Hardman too, because Hardman's not, I mean, he's not even close to Tyree Kill as a player, but you met, he's got a lot of speed. So when they do all the motion stuff, it's not that stuff is like not just window dressing. It's you you using them to get them to declare whether it's man coverage stuff like that. They did that sure. on the, on the final play, and I just that last play. I, I agree with you. Is that you're saying um, that this game is not something I'll probably never forget uh, just because of that sequence alone. I mean. I, I get it that if you're a Browns fan, uh, you you probably hate Tony Romo just squealing at the end of that game. But I thought it was awesome because he's he's sitting there saying, like, just like you, they don't have a play. They're not running a play. Look at their body language. You can tell they're not running anything. And that is de- – you know, that's details from Andy Reid and the coaching staff. Like, to tell your backup quarterback, hey, make sure everyone go out there and look like you're not about to do a damn thing. Sell it, sell it. Sell it, sell it, sell it. And then they do the motion again, which just – it seems like, oh, they're just killing time here trying to get him to jump. But no, then they run that play. I mean, yeah, agree. The the stones there from Andy Reid is impressive. The design of it is impressive. And there are so many boring football commentators out there i mean i had people because i tweeted about this like romo adding to the excitement of that moment and just like losing his losing his stuff there that is awesome to see because that's what i'm doing at home as a football fan i'm like i can't believe this is happening and for romo you know a guy who played in the league to basically be losing it like i can't believe this is what's going on 
it's an it's incredible. I had people respond to me that like some people, which is I guess they hate fun, they hate excitement, they hate Tony Romo in that moment. And I'm not even I'm not crazy about Romo. Like I don't think he's as good as he was when he first burst onto the scene and was really killing it. But I love the enthusiasm that he brings. Like guys like Akib Talib, same thing. Uh, I don't care if they're the most polished and eloquent speakers, guys like Romo or Talib, but they know their stuff and they add to the fun and the excitement of football. They're saying a lot of, again, what we're thinking at home. That's really cool to see from a guy like Romo who I've followed, you know, he was one on my first just I'm gonna talk about Drew Brees as a guy on my first ever fantasy team. Tony Romo was on my first ever fantasy team. Like this is cool to see him losing him losing himself like that, just like I'm losing uh myself. And I, I did appreciate a few people responded to me like Imagine if that was Joe Buck in that moment. I, I like I like Joe Buck a decent amount. And the, him and Aikman are an interesting tandem. But, you know, Joe Buck just been like, and that's Chad Henney in the flat. And first down, ball game. Ah, give me give me what Romo did any day of the week. I think it added to the moment something I'm never going to forget. Well said. I want to be fair about Buck, who I've been critical of in the past. I think at one point in his career, a major gap in his skill set was the ability to modulate excitement. I mean, he called the David Tyree catch, which is a once a lifetime catch. <laughs> like it was just, oh, you know, Manning downfield looks like a first down. I mean, he, he just didn't get, he didn't yeah. lose his mind the way I, I think almost any other announcer would. You, you have to pick your spots with that. You know, don't lose your mind over the coin flip, don't lose your mind over an yeah. 11 yard run on the second down. But, um, it feels like with Tony Romo, you're hanging out, you're watching the game with him, and I thought he modulated the excitement very well in this game. And I'm so glad you mentioned Tlaib because I, I really hope his profile as announcer goes up and he starts to get better games. I think a lot of people were gravitating to him near the, towards the end of the season because he's a guy who sees the game differently and announces the game differently. And we're at a time with media and, and with broadcasting that we want that. We talked all last week, right, about the Nickelodeon game. Let's just try some different things and see if we can tap on some different fan bases and have fun. It's supposed to, football's supposed to be fun. Yeah. I'm so glad they, they finally relaxed with the celebrations because it was illegal to basically be happy on a football field for such oh, yeah. a long time. At least now you can do this stuff. Now, granted, I'd like to see the defense come up with a new celebration rather than let's all run to the corner of the field and do a snapshot. I feel like we've seen that. We've seen the graduation photo enough times. Let's do something different. But yeah, football's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a little bit crazy. And this game was um, transition to the Browns. Yeah, You die with your, bolts, your boots on. Um, your, your best offensive playmaker was knocked out of the season really early. You you went deep in the playoffs. You beat Pittsburgh. I, th- I think a lot of that was because Pittsburgh just played so poorly for 10 minutes in that game. But you did win and you scared the living tar out of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. We're always going to think about that Higgins play at the goal line and yeah. everybody's got their opinion on that rule. I actually don't mind it, but a lot of people can't stand it. I think you should have to value the ball. If they switch that to a offensive possession at the 20-yard line, I wouldn't mind that. Of course, it's frustrating that when you see the replay, the whole world can see the helmet-to-helmet yeah. collision. That's a personal foul. That should be called. You can't review it. I don't I don't know if we should try to maybe... I don't want every piece of minutia in the NFL reviewed to the point that the game has no flow, but it's it's not satisfying when you see that play and you know that it was... It, this was a game that had every ticky-tack call, it felt like, for the first like 40 minutes, and there's a play that they just didn't see. It's hard to see it in real time because the game is well, so what's, fast. What's frustrating, but, Scott, is like, you know, in college football, they'll do this. If they review, a, they're, you're reviewing a scoring play or a turnover, <laughs> like all those are reviewable. So they're looking at it anyways. If you see some obvious stuff like that, that again, we're all at home sitting, <laughs> that's a penalty. Like you sure. should, that's, you maybe you can't review every single penalty, but 
look, I, I think the refs need to just sometimes just get out of the way, and maybe they should they should not be a big storyline. And too often they end this postseason. I think there's been some. Just too much officiating questions, uh, too much discussion about it. We're doing it right now. But, yeah, in that moment, I, I wish that we could just – that could be – then, like, okay, yeah, that's a penalty. Like, just we, we can all see it. It's frustrating to me. It's not satisfying to me when we see something like that helmet-to-helmet where if you had 20 people reasonable in a room with no stake in the outcome – all 20 would be like, oh, God, that's a penalty. Yeah. Everybody would, you know, that's what review should be to me. It should not be, oh, can we Zapruder film this down to the tiniest of millimeters per second to see that maybe a blade of grass, you know, was touching the cleat. That's not what replay is supposed to be. It's supposed to be, wow, this play is wrong. Let's get it right. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. That's something they need to look at. I'll tell you what, though. If Cleveland got the ball back, whether it, whether they had stopped that Henny pass or had if the Chiefs had punted, and man, you know, who would have thought Chad Henny would have that scramble on him on third down because they never even go for it if, if Henny doesn't somehow find it. And very telling, right, Matt? We, we've never seen a season where quarterbacks have been as proactive with their running, and um, it, they far and away set a record for most quarterback rushing touchdowns in a season. And we saw more of them this past week. Brady had another one. Mahomes had another one. And although everybody's going to remember the Henny pass, maybe it's that Henny run on third yeah. down that, that is kind of the, the underserved play in this game. But you know, from the Chiefs standpoint, I was a little bit frustrated that I know I have old David and, and Joku takes. You know, I was really high on this guy like a million years ago, and I, he looked terrific. I, he was he was bouncing off people and getting open downfield. And I, I think Mayfield played better on the tape than he did in the stats. I know he didn't totally. have the greatest YPA, but, man, he made some – I thought he – the moment was not too big for him. I, I thought he felt like he could win this game. And I feel confident. We'll never know the answer to this. But I feel confident if the Browns get the ball back, they were going to go down the field and score. I, I agree with you. And I, I love that you brought up the point about Baker because I kind of think he sneaky played his ass off. You know, that like if Higgins doesn't fumble that ball, we might be talking about a totally different outcome. At that point, uh, we, we would definitely be looking at a different game than what we got. So, sure, I think Baker has really stepped it up. I, I still think that he's very Kirk Cousins-ish. That's the comp I've been making for him all mm-hmm. season long, not just because of the offense that he plays in, but because, like, every now and again, Baker can have that game where you're just like, what the hell is he doing, you know? And and I think those, those games are going to still pop up for him. That's still going to be a factor, especially against tougher competition, against um, – against teams that can put pressure on him. There's still some limitations for Baker, but I also think he's a really talented thrower. I think he is a better physical specimen than Kirk Cousins in terms of arm strength. I also think like Baker doesn't shy away from the moment like Kirk Cousins has maybe shied away from the moment. I think that that's where people might hate that comparison because that's like the defining trait of Kirk Cousins' career. You know he's going to tear up the Raiders on a 1 p.m. Eastern time game, but what is he going to do against a great team on Monday night? Baker's probably not that way because I think he played Two really good games back-to-back in the postseason in addition to playing really well to get them in the postseason. So I am actually excited. I know that they're, you know the narrative around the Browns will be, well, run-heavy team. They had to do a lot of uh, window dressing to get Baker Mayfield to this point. But I actually think I'm really excited to see what this offense looks like next year. I think they should bring Rashard Higgins back because him and Baker have a great chemistry. But they also get Odell Beckham back. And I know that, again, another narrative is that Baker, better without Odell, whatever. But, you know, this offense had not fully hit its stride yet from just a design and coalescing and Baker being comfortable in it. 
until after Beckham got hurt. And I think that's more coinc- like correlation than causation uh, to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually excited to see what uh, Beckham – and, you know, Beckham's, like, out there tweeting about the Browns, like, being excited about him. I, I think, like, there there could actually be – some exciting stuff there. Beckham is probably at this point because of all the injuries, never going to be the special talent that uh, he was in the early days of his Giants career, which I'm very bummed about personally. But at the same time, uh, he's still a good player. And I think he could, this offense could actually be even better next year. That is certainly the biggest question for them because they've got the coach right with Stefanski. And isn't it interesting? You kept mentioning Kirk Cousins. I mean, Stefanski, you know, had the experience with Cousins in Minnesota, I think Baker is good enough. Is he going to be like an MVP, you know, candidate? I, I don't think he's quite to that level, but he's good enough that you can be a regular challenger for playoff spots and, and go deep in the playoffs. I mean, you know, they were just maybe one or two plays away from being in an AFC Championship game. They need to sit down with Baker and sit down with with Odell and sit down with Kevin and and say, hey, look, how do we, you know, Odell? You're you're one of the you know most explosive receivers in the league. We got to find a way to get you back to where you were a few years ago. They need to, and, and maybe, you know, maybe some of it is, I remember in the Dallas game where they, they had him, they had a Landry throw a pass to, to Beckham and then Beckham had the long run that sealed that game. I, I would give Beckham a little bit of ownership in the off say, look, what routes are you comfortable running? Yeah, you? What, totally. what, what do you think we did wrong? What have we not, how have we not best utilized him? Give him some ownership, give him, some agency in the offense. Yeah, I remember when the Patriots got Randy Moss, and I'm not saying that Beckham is going to get back to like where Moss was in 2007, but they were always saying, hey, he's one of the smartest receivers we've ever seen. And they gave him an agency and an ownership of, and just like a, a fingerprint on the offense. And if I were the Browns, as much to motivate him emotionally, but also just to get a full buy-in from Beckham, say, look, you know, we haven't gotten this right yet. And you know, part of that's on me. I'm not calling the right players. Or part of that's on me, Baker Mayfield. Maybe I didn't make the right throw at the right time. How do we get the best out of you next year? If they can get Beckham back, if you told me right now Beckham's going to be a Pro Bowl receiver next year or like a top 10 fantasy receiver next year, I'll be like, oh, man, the Browns are going to win 11 games again. Okay. He's obviously the most important guy for them to figure out and the biggest conundrum because it hasn't always worked out for him in Cleveland. And I think the fact that they're a good offense without him is only good is is only good things for this this brand. Like oh, this, there's only icing to put on the cake at this point for this team. So I'm excited for them in 2021. Uh, Let me catch one more thing. Every Brown, every Brown gut punch loss ends up having a name. Right, red right 88, the fumble. I guess this is going to be Henny given Sunday. Ugh. Yeah, I guess. So. Or maybe the Higgins, maybe the, the the pylon fumble. Maybe they have some cute name for that that I haven't heard of yet. I, I don't look. Henny given Sunday is hackneyed. I've I've said it a million times, and if anybody wants to flag me for it, they can. But it, it still kind of yeah. curls off the tongue pretty easily. But it's just fun. It's endorsed fun by the endorsed by the best player in football, Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, I think I think you're fine on that one, Scott. Okay, good. I'll take that. <laughs> there we go. All right, last game of the weekend: Tampa Bay thirty, New Orleans twenty. This one's interesting, man, because, look, I know Tom Brady, the stat line's not great. He didn't have his greatest outing or anything like that. But, you know, I I also think this was one of those situations where I'm sitting at home saying, Tampa Bay, like, coaching staff, get out of your own way. Like, all the first down runs. I know playoff Lenny with Leonard Fournette is a a thing now, I guess. Uh, Leonard Fournette himself is out there tweeting about it. So, (laughs) I I guess that's where we're at. Yeah, I I know Matt Matt Kelly is not taking the loss on on Leonard Fournette. We know that. (laughs) Much much love to Matt Kelly. He's (laughs) Not, so, not afraid to be not afraid to be hot with those takes. No, no kidding. Um, so I, I think that the Bucks, like once they finally got out of their own way, um, 
things really opened up for them. And at this point, you know, there's just a big difference between this is what I wrote in my preview article uh, when I talked about why I, I liked the Bucks in this game, why uh, I thought like they they were they should be the favorite, even though it was an away game, whatever, because Tom Brady at 43 is just he's not some old man back there. Uh, he can look human at times. He's maybe not the same player he was five years ago. Uh, no kidding. He's 43 years old, but he looks great for a 43 year old. And when he can, when he's given time and everything like that, you can see that he can still make those. He can make those throws breeze. On the other hand, it, this was probably the last time we'll see him everything leading into the game. All the reports from Jay Glazer and others were uh, in line with that. And the way he acted after the game, you know, walking off the field, uh, I, I wish that they had gotten a, you know, a photo, a photographer on the, on the, there's a video of it. I, I don't know where it is. Maybe it's, it might be on the Saints Twitter, but, you know, I wish we could see a photo of him uh, taking one, like as he's running to the tunnel, he's doing the look around, he runs to the tunnel, he takes one last look back to me. And then obviously with him, Brady and his kids after the game or on the field, I think this is it for Breeze. You know, that's, I'm not uh, having a hot take here. Um, I don't know if, if you have, we, we could talk Breeze retrospective when and if he actually retires, but the thing I want to focus on right now is this is an end of the era for the Saints in such a dramatic way because like Sean Payton and Drew Breeze have set the standard for offensive football in this league for um, for years. I mean, uh, again, I, I drafted Drew Breeze on, on my first ever fantasy team, uh, I think his first or second year in New Orleans. Uh, That's a fun ride, you know? <laughs> so it's been a great ride with drew breeze they've elevated all these different players that we've loved in fantasy along the way now i think the saints are totally going where they're into the wilderness now at this point we talked about it on last uh time last time me you and andy got together they're over 90 million dollars over the cap right now that's absurd some of that will come off the books when breeze retires but not all of it uh, not not his entire cap hit and basically you look at their their salary structures. You know, they just paid guys like Kamara and Thomas. They will probably be on the team, but I think everything else is basically up for discussion. You know, you're looking at guys like you might have to cut. You're getting near over $90 million. Like maybe if COVID never happens and the cap keeps going up, they're probably all right, but it did happen. And this is the situation we find ourselves in. They might have to cut guys like Teron Armstead, who is an all pro. They might have to cut guys like Cameron Jordan, who was a fixture of the team, you know, players like Jared cook and whatever, like they're, it's, it's gone. I have no idea what this Saints team is going to look like in 2021. It's without Drew Brees, obviously it's time for him to go. He's at that point in his career, but man, even beyond that, you're going to have Sean Payton, a couple offensive superstars, and that is it. I'll just quickly just get Tampa Bay out of the way. Props to Devin White, the young linebacker number 45, who was all over the field in this game. And Tampa Bay played very poorly in the first two New Orleans games, but they were both so long ago, the first game of the season, then a middle-of-the-season game. Tampa Bay was a much more composed, uh, free-from-error team. Not that Brady played great. He played better in the second half, but they cleaned up a lot of the problems that this team had early in the season. So it's so a props to them, and we'll talk about them more as they advance in the playoffs. There are so many. We could have done a two-hour podcast on the Saints. Breeze, just his career is fascinating, right? San Diego is convinced that he's not the answer quarterback. They draft Phillip Rivers. Rivers signs late, so Breeze has to start the season, even though they didn't want to do it that way. He has a Pro Bowl season, perfectly timed yeah. with his walk year in free agency. Okay, so here's Miami with their new up-and-coming coach from the college ranks. They're interested in Breeze, but they get bad medicals on his shoulder. They decide not to sign Breeze, so we never see what a Nick Saban, Drew Breeze, Miami Dolphins team might have looked like. I mean, maybe 
Nick Saban never gets to Alabama because he would have won so much with Breeze. We'll, we'll never know. It's a fascinating yeah. what if. It is so Breeze goes to, to New Orleans, a team, you know, they were people. It's easy to forget now. If you're a younger person, you might not know this. The Saints used to be one of the three or four teams that were kind of routinely mocked. Yeah. A couple of years they had teams that were so bad, the fans would wear bags over, over the, the heads. They didn't go to the playoffs for so Call many them years. the Aints. Yeah, they were the Aints, right? That was the easy punchline to them. They had a lot of bad teams, and uh, their fan base kind of felt snake bit. And when they got it right at quarterback with with Breeze, and they got it right at head coach offensive mind with Peyton, these guys were a pinball machine for a decade and a half. And they were one of the primary favorites in the NFC for that entire run. Of course, they win the one championship where they beat the Colts. I really think Breeze should have won the MVP that year. Manning got it, I think, in part because maybe the Colts were undefeated a week later than the Saints. They both had great seasons. But it feels bad to me that Breeze doesn't have at least one MVP because I think he should have won that year. But it's a difficult legacy because I mean, Breeze was fantasy royalty. He was Pro Bowl royalty. You won't find anybody in the league to say anything bad about him. He's respected as a teammate. Go go play that video. Halftime speech he gives at Purdue. Maybe it's a pregame speech. It got those guys fired up. This is a guy you'd want to be in a foxhole with. You'd want to play for. But how do we reconcile the one trip to the Super Bowl? They never got back. You know, if somebody had said to you after they beat the, the Colts, and it's, it's hard to win the NFL. There's a lot of good teams. Yeah. And we've seen quarterbacks. Like Marino only went to one Super Bowl. Jim Kelly never won one, although they won a bunch of times. Rodgers at, at the moment is still sitting on one trip. It's hard to go. You need a lot of things to go right. Everybody knows the Saints got jobbed by the officials against the Rams a couple of years ago. You know, if they just make a chip shot field goal after that pass interference, they're in the Super Bowl a second time. It's just, I wish they had done more in the playoffs. There's only one playoff season mm-hmm. where Breeze won two games. That that blows yeah. my mind. He never, he just routinely got knocked out in that first or second game. And a lot of times he played great and the defense didn't do it. There are other games like this game where I thought he played very poorly. But man, the guy's in his 40s. He just had a major rib injury. I think we're going to find out soon that he probably had a medical situation where he probably shouldn't have played. It's the type yeah, of game yeah, that if yeah. you were 27 or 32, you easily don't play. But when it's your last go-around, it could be your last game, what are you waiting for? You just have to suck it up, maybe take a painkiller, you know, and just try to do it. Was not comfortable throwing the ball downfield. Tampa Bay was all over that. They were pressing. Michael, Michael Thomas couldn't get open the whole game. He finishes with a bagel. It just makes me sad. I've always just been. I'm like you. You know, I grew up in New England, and you know, whatever. I enjoyed the run that they had, but I, you know, I'm all over that. I had nothing to do with that. I'm like you. I'm a fan of the league. I want good stories. I want watchable football. I want athletes that I care about, that I want to learn about, that I can identify with. I mean, Drew Brees checks all those boxes. He's just what the NFL should be about. And I just, I feel a little bit sad that it ended this way. But I mean. You know, build line from cocktail, just about everything ends badly or else it wouldn't end. I mean, most people don't go out like John Elway. Most people yeah. go out like Dan Marino getting ransacked in Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, I think Breeze tried to play through an injury. Maybe he shouldn't have. I think maybe Sean Payton should have, theoretically should have maybe benched him in this game. But, I mean, it's Drew Breeze's last game. How do you do, yeah. mean, yeah, how do, you do, do that? that? Yeah. You can't do that. So, walk-in Hall of Famer. I'm glad he has the title. You never take that away from them. Remember, he was a part of New Orleans recovering, the state of Louisiana, yeah. Louisiana recovering from a, a terrible natural disaster. I mean, the Saints had a big part in that, of, of, the, of New Orleans coming back and rebuilding and feeling good about yourself and having civic pride. I mean, he's just a, a pillar of this industry, and I, I have so much respect for him. And I, I can't be happy about the way it ended for him, but that's unfortunately oh, yeah. the way most sports careers end. 
Yeah, right. Like not everybody, even Peyton Manning, um, throwing ducks all the way to mm-hmm. win in a Super Bowl in his last run. A lot of guys yeah. don't get like you need everything else to go right around you. And even at this point, like because I think because Breeze got hurt, like maybe the version of Breeze that was playing that that was the guy that that helped them destroy this Bucks team back in November. Maybe that version of Breeze could have been better than what we got in this game. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't. It's just. This is where Breeze is right now. It's been a long time coming. And, yeah, unfortunately, Brett Favre's career ended the same way, like face down in the turf uh, against the Bears, I think it was, uh, in the regular season. So, you know, yeah, I wish they'd got – but they also are a perfect example of what you said, which is that it's tough to win in this league. You know, it's tough to get Super Bowls because when Breeze and the offense were absolutely electric, it rarely ever lined up with the defense being passable. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, they've, they've been, they've, that defense has been bad so many times. This version of the defense is actually pretty good. This version of the defense gave the Bucks some trouble, but now it's coming a time when Breeze uh, has come and gone. So, yeah, I, I think the Saints, great career from Drew Breeze, and I think the Saints are a really, really interesting team to track this offseason as to what the hell they're going to look like next year. Yeah, you mentioned they're, they are really in salary cap hell. They're, they're, it's not like a couple of guys they need to figure out I mean, they need to totally reboot this roster and i also want to want to make a point and look and i i don't want to make it sound like i'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because i do think we, we can openly ask why is the bag light with the saints with super bowl trips and with championships you know just one of each but the goal in anything in any competitive environment is to be good and have a puncher's chance to win it every year to be like Duke basketball, where although they're not very good this year, probably, but you're one of the main contenders, and then you just hope to get a couple of breaks. Every team, I always blanch when somebody wants to shoot holes in, in the resumes of successful players and teams in the NFL because it's so hard to win. And if you win, you probably get a break from somebody. Somebody probably jumped off sides at the right moment or dropped the right yeah. interception for you, or you got the officials to miss a call for you. You could say that about you know, I mean the. The Chiefs got so many breaks last year with the Patriots losing, and then they got the two seed instead of the three seed. Then Baltimore was knocked out. Now they're the de facto one seed. The Chiefs were great, but you get breaks along the way. The Saints were able to do something that the NFL doesn't allow you to do. With the salary cap, you can't keep your good players once they get good, and it's really hard to be a factor for more than a handful of years. They were a championship-punching threat for basically 15 years. That's impossible. The league legislates against that. You know, yeah. A window, if you have a two or three year window, enjoy it because it's about as long as anything lasts before you, your roster starts getting killed and you lose all your best coordinators. And somehow they made this work for that long of a time. And we're, we're not, you know, people say, enjoy the Belichick Brady thing and we're not going to see that again. I don't think we're ever going to see the, the New Orleans Saints again. Right? A, a team that for 15 years said, we're a pinball machine on offense. Here we come, try to stop us. We're not going to see it again. No, that is incredibly uh, unique. All right, let's wrap up here with some of the so a few other things here. Number one, coaching hires. Uh, I don't know if you have a bunch of strong takes on these. Uh, you know, I always feel like we don't know anything about who's going to be a good head coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, Great point. Or, you know, but uh, let's just go through it real quick. Liz and Dalton mentioned on the Friday pod last week, Urban Meyer to Jacksonville and Arthur Smith to Atlanta. They were close at the time. They're now official. Uh, Robert Sala to the Jets, Brandon Staley to the Chargers. That one's interesting because it's not an offensive guy uh, going to, you know, what should be a great spot for an offensive guy it, with Justin Herbert uh, coming on there. Dan Campbell, shout out to Dan Campbell, uh, absolutely ripped. We've seen him before uh, as a head, as an assistant head coach 
Uh, and now he's he used to be a blocking tight end, I think, for the Detroit Lions. And now he's probably going to be the Lions head coach. Still open, Houston, you know, in the total train wreck that they are. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're speak, they're, Josh McDaniels might be a prime candidate there. I don't know. And then uh, lastly in the coaching carousel here, uh, I mean, this is just like chum in, like chum in the water, but Seahawks are speaking to Adam Gase about their vacant OC role. Uh, if there was ever a cursed job uh, and a cursed man to go head to head, that's a, that's a pretty good spot for it there. But looks like Eric Bieniemy and um, Brian Dable will probably stay put. That's good news for those two offenses. Um, I know there's obviously going to be a lot of deserved conversation about Eric Bieniemy and everything like that. But uh, any reaction to any of these coaching hires so far? You know, what I'm encouraged by is most of these teams are trying something new. I think the idea is let's hope to get the next Brian Flores. Let's hope to get the next Sean McVay. Let's hope to get the next Sean McDermott, the next up-and-coming coach who could be a long-term solution. And maybe let's not look to recycle Mike McCarthy yeah. or somebody who we've already we've already run that we've already run over that track. We've already heard that song. Let's try something different. There's no way. Look, I, I think Robert Salah is going to be a great head coach, but there's no as you said, there's no way to know. We're not in the locker room. I only know what seeps out, and you know, and things like that. I, I know how well respected he was. I think he's the personality to handle New York. One of the big problems with Adam Gase is just he, too much thin skin. You can't be that way and handle that media market or just give the yes. right emotional tone to your team. Yeah, um, give me – I mean, like Adam Gase seemed like he was bothered by any reporter talking to him ever. Robert Sala is a guy that like – I feel like he's looking for that camera to come find him on the sidelines. So there's a good fit there. I also think we have heard a lot of good things about him from guys like Richard Sherman goes to bat for him. I think that, you know, that's – Richard terms of free agent, he might actually find his way maybe to New York just to help like set the culture there. Uh, that would be an interesting one. Good way for Sherman to finish what's probably a Hall of Fame career. But yeah, I, I agree with you though. I mean, we don't know, but this one, that one really strikes to me as the right, the right guy for what the Jets need in this moment. I know Detroit really wanted Salah, who's from the area, but I mean, look, he he had too much cred. He had too much, yeah. He wasn't going to take a Detroit job, which is you know, that's been a coaching graveyard. A lot of guys are one and done when they go to Detroit if it doesn't work out. So, uh, good luck to, to Dan Campbell trying to make that work if that actually becomes the hire. I think he's a great, interesting. Again, I'm glad we're trying new things. I mean, Urban Meyer has never been an NFL coach before, successful with a lot of offenses in college. I'm fine with that. Arthur Smith, I've, I've liked for a long time. I wonder if he's getting the Falcons at the, at the wrong time. I mean, Matt Ryan's on the back nine, and I'm afraid that Julio Jones, just the body type, isn't going to yeah. age all that well. But, I mean, obviously Arthur Smith has been terrific, revitalizing Tannehill's career and, and what he's done for that offense. So he's exciting. Again, we mentioned, talked a lot about Salah. I think he's a perfect personality for that team. The Jets have a lot of pieces. They have a lot of assets. If they wanted to get into this Watson business they could at least yeah. make a pitch we know Miami's certainly we talked a lot about them last week I I think I wake up every day thinking tell me tell me Deshaun Watson's on the Dolphins today that would make me happy but <laughs> I like make that, him pretty happy too <laughs> I like that we're seeing a lot of new faces we're, we're seeing new ideas tried I'm actually not as down on Josh I know a lot of people just can't stand Josh McDaniels because he's on the Death Star and he did stand up the Colts at the altar and I get how that frustrates people. And he had kind of a tone problem when he was at Denver. So I can see why yeah. some people might be against him. I, he still has a lot of successful seasons on his resume. And I, I don't know how anything the Patriots did this year can be no, taken yeah. seriously with the roster they were playing with. I don't hold that against McDaniels. And, you know, Seattle, I subscribe to the idea 
that Seattle Twitter is like the smartest, snarkiest, funniest Twitter that we have. And if you give them Adam Gase, man, I mean, oh, Mina Kimes is going to be on fire for like the next year or two. You know, Ben Baldwin, they're going to have just a field day with, you know, Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead with, with Schottenheimer, but they're bringing in Adam Gase. Oh, man, heaven help us all. That's, that's going to be a heck of a ride. Yeah, I mean they also they're also talking to Mike Kafka too, uh, or they want to talk to Mike Kafka. Can't that would be sure. that would that would be a pretty good that one, that would probably be better than Adam Gase, but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm interested to see who Brandon Staley brings to. I, I actually kind of like the Staley hire just because I love what he did from a defensive play calling perspective. I mean, it helps to have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, of course. There's some talent there on the defensive roster for the LA Chargers, um, and. It's just again, you get superstars to buy into what you're doing. That says a lot about you as a guy, too. Uh, he was an innovative hire by Sean McVay. It only lasted one year there, but you know he could bring maybe Kevin O'Connell from the Rams, uh, their offensive coordinator. And I think that system again. We're talking about a guy, Justin Herbert, who is a superstar type of talent. Uh, but they also might stay internal as well. Maybe a guy like Pep Hamilton or, or um, Shane Steichen. I think is is how you say their offensive coordinator's name. But yeah. That'll be a, that'll be an interesting one. Um, they have so a we'll fun run. I mean, the Chargers, they got the weather. They got the new stadium. They have a really deep roster and a quarterback into year two of his rookie deal. I mean, what that had to they have be. Some cap room. They got cap room, too. Like, they're a yep. team that they have if they wanted to go. They can play. If they wanted to go, you know, all in on offense, uh, get, get Staley to scheme up the defense and then get a guy, you know, they could target a receiver in free agency and like, you know, have an Allen Robinson across from Keenan Allen. Like that could be pretty fun for them. There's a lot of fun potential for, for the LA. I'm, Jordan, I'm shout really out to Staley. To what Houston, what, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, shout, I, mean, I just shout out to Brandon Staley. You don't have to move. That's nice. Right. There you go. Right. Yeah. So you got that already taken care of. I'm curious to see what Houston gets. Because there's oh. a, right now they have a problem with their decision making, and they have a problem with their culture. Their they best player, and by all means, a guy, by all accounts, a guy that is just a, a great teammate and a great Good representative job. for your organization. Yeah. I don't know anybody who isn't all in on Deshaun Watson. I think he has every right to be frustrated, and so you might be walking to a situation where they've had the trade Watson. Now they should get a king's ransom because they're going to have so many teams bidding for him. But I, I'm curious what who would want the Houston job right now, like. For all the people frustrated that it looks like the enemy might not get a job, I will say I would rather he not get a job than maybe go to Detroit or go to Houston without Watson. I mean, those might be hard yeah. situations to win in. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want the Houston job uh, at all. Neither would I. I mean, basically, like what was it? The report from uh, Chris Mortensen over the weekend was that like firing Jack Easterby wouldn't be enough for uh, the Houston Texans to please Deshaun Watson. Cal McNair would have to fire himself uh, as the owner. That's not going to happen. That is not a good situation. Philly also sneaky might be a a not good situation either. And last thing on the Eagles coaching hire, I I don't necessarily have a huge problem with Josh McDaniels either, but it would be a pretty cruel twist of the knife. Uh, The Eagles fans are all in on the fact that like losing Frank Reich was a big deal for why this, you know, why this, bubble of the Eagles fell apart so quickly and if you hire the guy who was basically the reason that they ended up losing Frank Reich to the Colts eh, maybe that just wouldn't sit so well but uh, all right last thing we'll do on the show here conference just quick conference championship look ahead Uh, as always this week's odds are from our friends at BetMGM who have a deal going right now New users get $25 in bonus uh, upon registration no deposit required and can be used immediately you also receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 with your first deposit. Sign up at betmgm.com slash yahoo and make sure to use the promo code sportsbook 
when you make your first deposit. That's Sportsbook, people. Promo valid for new users in New Jersey, uh, West Virginia, Indiana, Tennessee, or Colorado that are 21 years or older terms apply. All right, uh, NFC Championship, Scott. Uh, Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay minus four, uh, 51 and a half point total Antonio Brown's getting an MRI uh, today so we'll see all of like Tampa's frontline players weren't the reason like in the receiver room weren't the reason that they moved the ball the second half it was guys like Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson uh, who stepped up there right and wasn't it not that I wish injury on anybody but wasn't it kind of cool just to see Scotty Miller back in the mix because oh, yeah. he was playing some pretty good football so was Johnson I know a lot of people on Twitter were all over this that just when these guys were hitting their stride is when they added the Antonio Brown move. I wasn't sure that was going to work. I accepted last week the defeat that it has worked out. And Brown was, was not a factor in the New Orleans game. But Scotty Miller's a good football player. He's not a direct comp to Brown. They, they have a little bit different games. And, and it's funny. You look at Brown, you think he should be a slot receiver. But he's actually a downfield guy. And he yeah. made one of the most important plays for the Bucks in this game. If you like Tampa Bay. I think either I think anybody can win these these two games for one thing. I mean, we get any number of I matchups. Agree. But if you are on the Tampa Bay side, I would get that four now. I think it's going down the way the Buccaneers defense played. It's always hard to know what to take from an in season matchup. And it was both these teams played, I believe, in week six of the regular season. Tampa Bay won that game in dominating fashion. Dominating. Yeah. Green, Green Bay has the tape on that. They're going to study it. They're going to try to learn from that. But I'm surprised. This line started out a little bit too high for me. I think it's going to come down. So I would. If you like Tampa Bay, I, I would get in on that now and uh, while, before the number comes down. And if you like Green Bay, I would wait. I think you're going to get a better number later in the week. Yeah, I like Green Bay uh, in this one, even with even at minus four. I, I think I think they're the better team, and I think the way they put they the way they put together some pressure on Jared Goff and you know pressuring Jared Goff and uh, even Andrew Whitworth back for the LA Rams uh, offensive line. I think Tampa Bay altogether has been a better pass protection unit. Um, I, I love the way like Zadarius Smith got after uh, Jared Goff. I think they're playing really well up front. If they can play that type of football, you know, Sean Gary even popped up for some plays against the Rams too. He's, he's sneaky kind of coming on a former first round pick there. That's a, obviously everyone will always talk about that, but that's definitely one to, to highlight. And uh, I, I kind of believe in those guys right now, but uh, we know that Tampa Bay, they want to run the ball for whatever reason right now, and you know that you can run the ball uh, on the on the uh, Green Bay Packers defense. So that if is you can get under Tom to Brady's feet, you think of the biggest losses, the most frustrating, crushing defeats he's had in his postseason history. It was things like that new New York Giants front four getting under his feet. Just Justin Tuck should have won at least one Super Bowl MVP, maybe two. <laughs> so that's a big thing you'll be looking for. The Green Bay interior rush I thought was excellent against Goff, another quarterback who isn't particularly mobile. And, and Brady yeah. right now is as much a statue as anybody. He's got all the intelligence. He's been getting rid of the ball quicker and quicker as the season's gone along. But if the Packers have an interior rush in this game, I think that sets up well. I, I'm still not picking this game yet. I'm going to work on it and grind on it. But again... If you're on the Tampa Bay side, I would take it now. If you're on the Green Bay side, I think you can wait. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, AFC Championship, Buffalo at Kansas City. Kansas City's at minus three right now, 53.5 point total. Obviously, the, the big news is Patrick Holmes is in the concussion protocol. We just don't know what's going to happen there. We'll see. I, I mean, I, I think he ends up playing, but it's I have no idea. It's going to be a medical decision, you hope. I actually feel good that like the whole – like my entire timeline during uh, that moment was like, let's get, you know, get him out of there. We don't need to see Mahomes again. Like he, he can't go back out there after something like that. Whereas, you know, 
five, even five, ten years ago or something, it would have been like, it's a playoff game. You can't take Mahomes out of a playoff game like that. We've come pretty far when it comes to discussing these medical issues. But I, I will always think that Julian Edelman played a Super Bowl with a concussion. I'm not a doctor, but man, he sure looked to be comp- and he was playing out of his mind in that Seattle game. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad I'm glad Mahomes was once that happened. At least the right thing was done. Uh, I do yeah. think he'll play in this game. Um, it's going to be a fun like one. To see Buffalo. I would like to see Buffalo. They they haven't. We've talked a lot about Kansas City hasn't really shown their full throttle for a while for whatever reason. I thought they were starting to get to that point. I thought they played a pretty good first half against Cleveland. Didn't have maybe the points that were commensurate with that. Um, Buck, what what is it with Bucker right now? Where when he's lining up for a 51-yarder, I feel like I know he's going to make it. And when he's lining up for Under a short 40, kick, like, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. what's going on here, man. Maybe that's kicking in general these days. They, they, they seem to nail the long ones. I think moving the extra point back really messed with the psyche of the kicker a lot yeah, in modern football. But I, yeah. I, would, I hope the game I want here, and, and I, like, I, I enjoy the heck out of the Chiefs. And then the Buffalo, I, I'm, I'm in on the Mafia. I, I've done some radio spots with some guys over at WGR. Unbelievable fan base. They've, they're such a fun team. I, either team winning would be fine with me. But I really hope we get the 40 to 37, blow to yes. blow. You know, oh my, oh my God, Mahomes is on fire today. Oh my God, Allen, you know, they just had four straight touchdown drives. I think there's a, there's a possibility of this being, was it the Rams and the Chiefs a couple of years ago who played that regular season game where it's like, oh my God, they've broken football. Nobody, nobody can stop these guys. Yeah. I think there's yeah. a chance this could be that game. Now we need a healthy Mahomes to do it. We need Buffalo to step back up after a couple of off weeks. But with the way Williams played and the way Hardman played, we, we talked about there's no good way to cover Hill. There's no good way to cover Kelsey. Mahomes can make plays in or out of structure. And we can say the same of Allen. He's got a bushel full of whatever you want. I mean, Diggs might be, what, best or second best receiver in football right now, third best, depending on where you want to put Hill and Adams. He's terrific. We know John Brown is, is a capable of winning anywhere on the field. They've gotten really great things out of Beasley. Gabe Davis has had a nice yep. rookie year. Occasionally, Dawson Knox will make a play. This has a chance to be one of those AFC Championship games you, you tell your kids about. It's like, oh, man, it was unbelievable. It was like, you know, Josh Allen threw for 498 and lost. I mean, it could be that type of game, and I, I'm just hoping that we get it. Yeah, no, I, I, that's what I'm hoping for, too. I would love to see that because, you know, even – I would say that Buffalo gave us like a B – level game against the Colts a couple of weeks ago. Um, But it's easy. Like you can still win playing your B level of offensive football when you have a superstar quarterback and the, you know, the other team on the other side of the field is all about long methodical drives. That's not the way the chiefs operate. They can sting you like that. So um, the only thing I'll say is Kansas city's defense and Buffalo's defense are coming off great games. And the bills defense is hard to figure out because they were, they were not a good unit against the Colts, right? Like they gave up seeming like a thousand yards to Jack Doyle and all these other tight ends. Uh, they have some issues there uh, as a defensive unit. You know, now you're getting Travis Kelsey. You're getting um, you're getting Patrick Mahomes hopefully in this game. But against the 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 Ravens, I thought they were great. And they have some pretty good players. I've always liked the way that Sean McDermott designs defenses from his Carolina days. Leslie Frazier's getting some head coaching interviews. I think he's a he's an underrated defensive play caller. Um, they have they have been a very kind of up and down hit or miss defense, but we know that when they can hit, they can they can be the reason that Buffalo wins a game. And honestly, I think the Chiefs' defense we didn't really talk about it as much, but guys like Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones popped up uh, for a decent amount in this game too. Frank Clark's really their only guy where it's always like, hey, Frank Clark. 
where the hell are you? Uh, paid you a bunch of money, tra- traded a bunch of draft picks for you. But um, guys like Tyron Matthew can steal the show at any moment too. I don't think Kansas City is like a particularly strong defense, but some game changers for Buffalo and Kansas City on that side of the ball could be the reason that this does not turn into a point-for-point uh, game, even though uh, I do hope that that is the way it goes. Matthew's so much fun. Well, I mean, what's more fun than a ball hockey safety? You know, yeah. than those Ed Reed type. I mean, there aren't that many of them that end up in the Hall of Fame, but I was always a huge Ed Reed fan. And Matthew's that kind of guy. He had a pick in that game. He almost had a game ceiling pick on a deflection, a pass that Landry couldn't handle. So it's, it's funny. You look at both these defenses, all you're asking, it's kind of like being a goalie in a soccer shootout, okay? Where it's like you stop. I remember they said to Brianna Scurry in the 1999 World Cup, you stop one, everybody will be happy. You stop two, you're like a legend. Yeah. You know? That's what these defenses, that's what they're basically saying. Look, we're not asking you to hold the other team to 17 points here. Just make a couple of impact plays. You know, if you can make a, a key sack on the right third down, or if you can make an interception, or you flip the, flip the field, or... You know, it's funny the Buffalo touchdown against Baltimore. That was one of those no, 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 yes plays for me. Where he started yeah, running out. Don't bring out. that. Like, don't no, bring no, that no, no. It's like, oh wait a minute, keep running. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, um, I think the defense, if the defense that can just make a couple of key plays in the right moment, you don't have to play sixty minutes of perfect football. You're not going to. You're probably going to allow four hundred and forty yards or something like yeah. that. But if you can make like two splash plays, that might be enough to turn the game. Yeah, that's really what defense in the modern era is pretty much all about. I'll say so I'm leaning gonna... Buffalo, by the way. I'm not locked in on that, but my my early lean here is to take the three points. Yeah, uh, I think I kind of think they win right all, all out, but you know that's the way I've been leaning. No, why not take the money so. line too? Yeah, so, yeah sprinkle we'll the money line as well. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. Love talking with Scott about the divisional round games. Just so, so many fun storylines already to parse out, and it's only going to get better from here. Um, while you're waiting for these great games, these conference championship games to kick off, we have a lot of podcasts that you can check out here at Yahoo Sports. Listen in to the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler, the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Post it up. With Chris Haynes is is out there to talk all things NBA. You definitely want to tune into that. You can also follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. That's at oops, <laughs> tripped over my words finally. That's at Scott underscore Pianowski, and I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Liz Dalton and Andy Barons will be back later in the week with a full conference championship preview, and of course, more news if there is any. I, I kind of tend to think there will be. In the meantime, we're out.